as endurance athletes, motivation is typically not what we're lacking. You know, motivation is, is there in abundance. And, and it's not about lack of motivation. It's um, like there are very few people that will quit training due to lack of motivation. It's that they it's that you need to take that motivation and spread it out over a very long period of time. And so, you know, I talk to people and they're like, I want to run, a I want to run a marathon. And it's like, all right, well, that'll take a year, you know, at least. And, but it's like, no, 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 I want to do, you know, I want to do like a couch to marathon six week. Like I, you know, I saw this, I saw this article, like you can do it. And it's like, no, I mean, yeah, you can, but like, all you're really going to get is a stress fracture. You're going to have a couch to stress fracture, not a couch to marathon, you know? Like, there's no such thing as a couch to any distance in, in four weeks or six weeks. There's not. There's a couch to stress fracture for any distance, but, like, there's no <laughs> such thing as, you know? And so it takes time, and, and people want things, you know, immediately. And, I mean, if you started today and you ran a minute, and if every week you added another minute, Every week, you added another minute, a minute each day. In a year, you'd be running 52 minutes a day, which is a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. But people don't want to do it over a year. They want it immediately. But it's like, no, start right now. And this week, run a minute a day. And next week, run two minutes a day. And the next week, run three minutes a day. Guarantee you're not going to get a stress fracture if you do it like that. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, your host, and this is the place where we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. We are here with the intention to create connection, to realize that although our stories may be different, our essences are the same, and that no one ever needs to feel alone because if we've faced it, there are many who have also faced it. We are grateful to bring meaningful conversations to the endurance sports world, and I feel this episode will be no different. Today, I'm here in Flagstaff, Arizona with Coach BJ and our guest today, Tommy Rivers-Pusey. Tommy is an ultra trail runner, a marathoner, a doctor of physical therapy. He's a massage therapist, a dad to three girls, and husband to his beautiful wife, Steph. But as I believe Tommy would agree, because of a recent podcast I listened to, those are all just labels. And it could be argued that the labels we categorize people under are simply limits on potential. So Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you, stoked to be here, guys. <laughs> what do you think about that? I, I love the way you opened up, uh, I'd recently listened to the podcast, The Art and Science of Running, that is hosted by your brother, Jake, yeah, and you were Jake, the yeah. guest. And I love like the beginning of the podcast, you started talking about that. And, and that's something that I, I couldn't agree more with. Like we, we play these roles, like you're playing this role as this runner, which I believe is um, your, your purpose here. I mean, obviously it's one of your purposes. It's, it's a huge part of your life. You're also a dad, your husband, you're, you know, you, you are in service of people, keeping them healthy. But when we can, I guess you could even use the word like we condemn people to these labels, like so-and-so is a 212 marathoner and this person and that. What's your take on that as far as like limits on potential if we get too attached to these roles that we play? Oh, yeah, man, that's, um, yeah, I feel like it, yeah, condemn or, or when we reduce people to just one, one, one component of, um, 
you know, I mentioned in the other podcast that I, that I feel like human beings are incredibly complex and multidimensional and, um, yeah. And it, it, um, I guess obviously it depends on whatever, whatever social circle is relevant, um, at the time. And I, I feel like we do it to try to, to try to understand people and try to place people in terms of where they line up in this, this hierarchy and, um, what value they have. And obviously that, that, that changes based off of where you are. Um, Flagstaff is a, (laughs) is a perfect example of that in terms of, um, you, you go to, you go to some places and, 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 sometimes people are a bit starstruck when they're around somebody that's been successful at, at a specific game in life, you know, whatever game they chose to play, they, they happen to be better than, you know, some other people. And, and Flagstaff is really refreshing in that, um, rather than there being this, this spirit of being starstruck, there's almost a, a sense of star apathy in the community. Um, because the, the people that just live here full time, um, not the you know the transient athletes that come through um they it's almost like they've grown weary of <laughs> these people coming with these these impressive resumes or these accolades and um and because of that it, it's it's interesting that people are valued based off of components of their moral character that should actually matter um you might be a world champion or an olympic medalist but if you're <laughs> conceited um asshole like nobody wants to hang out with you you know and 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 that that shows really quick and and it's as though the currency in this town um as it should be is based on uh service in the community and giving time back and and there's an incredible um tradition of that with with the different uh the different teams that exist and um, there's different professional teams and and oddly everybody is <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day they're all mercenaries for different different armies essentially you know and um, and yet they all still get along you know and and uh, they'll show up at you know a Sunday long run and there'll be 60 people and and 20 of them are professional athletes from different teams or different countries and um, and it's just this communal run or, or a typical Tuesday night or a Thursday night. There's team run Flagstaff, which is the the community team in Flagstaff, but it's coached by um, professional runners in town. And so it's just an incredible <laughs> opportunity for for people to be able to, you know, rub shoulders with their um, with their idols, really, you know, the people that they look up to. It'd be like... Um, you know, a fifth grade basketball team being coached by LeBron James, you know. And That's so cool. I mean, it really is, you know. I and love that. And the community is really what it's, um, it's, you know, moral foundation. It's like it, it's teaching. Um, I mean, let's face it, you're well known, right? Let's face it. But it's teaching you humility. Like when you, you're not going to get to the front of the line, right? Especially sure. if you're not giving back to the community. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it actually, it, I love because what it does is it teaches it teaches the kids that are growing up 
that the, there are things that are more important than just being fast and um yeah. and and oh please teach that lesson I mean, but, but it, it's it's sometimes it's sometimes tough because you you um if you grew up in a community like mine you would learn that in other avenues but it wouldn't be through um it wouldn't necessarily be through uh, through sport um i mean maybe but but that not as much as as you would you experience here in, in that um you know, you really are welcomed into the community if you're if you become a part of it and if you give your time. Like that really is the is the currency. And and Flagstaff is a great place because you also realize very, very quickly that um, you know, you might shine in a small town, but then you show up to a place like this and like you're a very, very little fish. And and um and so and so you're <laughs> your your ego is very easily put in check because there are there are always, you know, a dozen, two dozen males and females that could just crush you on any given day, you know, and and so you're reminded constantly that yeah, you're not the best at this. You're not going to be the best at this. So so you should probably foster some other some and other components to your life. And those people that may crush you on a day, they may get crushed, you know, on next Sunday's long run. Sure. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it, it's yeah. we're we're different. Well, we're different on every day. I mean, we know the body itself. It's like it's always changing. Like we're we're always going to be different, and we're all athletes to our own degree. And we all know what it feels like to go out and be like, "Oh my God, I could have gone for hours," and go out yeah. and you know do ten miles, and it feels like fifty. I think another place where people can get where these roles and labels can. Um, where they really become our identity and is the attachment when something is taken away. So you work with people in, in helping them stay healthy. Hopefully a lot of those people are doing more prehab than rehab, but um, there is still the athlete out there that's very reactionary and, you know, waits until they get injured. What have you seen with the people that you work with as far as like attachment to, I can't, I can't run now? And the suffering that comes with that. Right. Um, boy, that's tough. Um, because, yeah, it, th that's definitely, that's definitely a component. And I, I feel like I've, um, I think I most intimately know that based off of my own experiences and yeah. how, and how my, and how my, my own mental and emotional health seems to downward spiral when, um, when it's when it's taken from me and uh i don't know at the same time though it's it's tempered because i early experience that i had working in a clinic more as a as a physical therapist um i guess that the first two years right out of school it was it was actually just an extended um like an internship or an externship or residency, whatever you'd want to call it. Um, and it was in a neurologic rehab facility. So the, the school that I went to um, is actually here in Flagstaff at NAU. And, and they have some of the, the, best, um, the best minds in terms of neurological rehabilitation. And so a lot of what, um, what we experienced in school was focused on that. And then, and then coming out of that working working in a clinic for a couple of years was was specifically with a demographic that um 
that not only did, did the struggles that they have make the challenges that I've faced, um, with broken bones or whatever, just, um, uh, it's hard to talk about without even (laughs) getting emotional, but, um, just seem petty, just so, so petty. Um, it was a long day in the canyon. I get a little weepy down there. So, <laughs> so um, you wouldn't, you won't be the first person who cried on the podcast. Yeah, but but so so working with with people that have had um, literally everything in terms of their health taken from them, and and um, a stroke or um, just this crippling degenerative disease or um, a demyelinating disease, where literally they're they're. Um, electrical wiring in their system starts to erode and uh and so seeing that and seeing um seeing the courage that they face their treatment with it makes (laughs) it makes the challenges that i've faced and the challenges that sometimes i see that people throw fits over um seem petty and um but at the same time it makes the efforts that they put into their rehabs make the make the efforts that I see even professional athletes make, um, seem weak, if that makes sense. And so it's, it's, it puts things, uh, puts things into a very, um, jarring perspective and one that, that makes you question a lot of things, but. um, Well, and how beautiful that you are in, in so many other people who work in, in, um, in that center, you are in service of them, but they're in service of you. Like they're still in service of you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the, those are the people that, um, you know, obviously people have <laughs> they idolize athletes and things like that, but the people that I, that I think about during, uh, really challenging times, um, are, are patients, you know, does that help you stay in gratitude? Yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like experiencing anything like that. Um, you travel and you see poverty, real poverty, you know, or you see war, you see crime, you see, um, you see real, real suffering and not that, you know, not that the suffering that we experience is not, is not real, you know, by virtue of the country that we live in and the, the things that we take for granted, um, clean water and clean food and enough food and, um, you know, the wind is howling and it's 30 degrees outside and we're warm in here right. and we don't have to think about it. And we and, have lights on. Right, exactly. And, and things like that. that you, yeah, you have a yeah, glass of clean water. Yeah. And yet, oddly, um, when there aren't big things, the little things fill that void and become big things. And and uh, and so when there's not, um, you know, we do that in, in endurance athletics as well, you know, when there aren't big challenges, the little challenges become big challenges. And, and it's almost as if there's this resting um, homeostatic level of existential angst that we need <laughs> to, to be able to get things done on a regular basis. And so if there aren't things like, okay, let's gather our family and avoid this conflict and travel across, you know, hundreds of miles on foot, um, then somehow, uh, our iPhone screen breaks and that feels like it's going to crush us, you know? And, and so it's, I guess it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just perspective. And I, um, how do you pull yourself out? Cause I'm assuming, have you had those moments where you're like, Oh my, you know, my iPhone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You settle. I mean, you're, you are constantly adapting and, and, and settling to 
um, this new level of just uh, environmental homeostasis makes sense. Just just homeostasis meaning like everything stays the way it is, you know, yeah. meaning like that's our new balance. You I know? like the way and, you said that, like we're always settling, we're always settling. Yeah, yeah. And so things sift and it's like, okay, this is the new normal, this is a new regular. And, and whatever that is, um, the little things rise to become big things, or if we're in a scenario where there are big things, then they settle to become not that big of a deal. Because you know? no matter what's going on, we are really hardwired to find that homeostasis to say, okay, at some point we're going to have to accept like, okay, the power is out, we have no heat, you know, for whatever reason, a big storm. Okay, well, let's get the blankets and oh, I'm so, and then everything starts to shift. I'm so grateful for sure. the roof over the head, right, over yeah. our heads. And then when the power comes on, yeah, the gratitude is really, really high. And then we settle again back into, right. well, we always we hit the switch on the wall and the power goes on. That's right. how we do it. Right. Yeah, I like that perspective. Um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit because you did, you mentioned that you had uh, a long day in the canyon. What did your training look like today? Oh, man. Because um, <laughs> you go to the canyon often. Yeah, I try, I try, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I singe my lungs a little bit today. Um yeah, I try to go once a week, and and if I can get in once a week, then um, it keeps things good up here, and then uh, I feel like it provides a level of durability on my body that uh, that if I can do it consistently, it doesn't it doesn't crush me, and so it but it also is really good at highlighting it magnifies areas that that I'm weak, you know? And so rather than coming out of it, um, early on and, you know, if, if it's the first time in a long time that I've been there and come out of it and my, you know, my, my calves are sore, my, or my right hip is sore, my left low back is sore, rather than coming out of it with a negative mindset on that as though, oh man, you know, it, it found all these weaknesses. It's like, yeah, but like now I know the areas that I, that I'm weak, you know, and, and so it, it does a good job of, um, if I don't overdo it, if I, if I gently kind of work my way into it, it, it does a good job of, of highlighting to me the areas that maybe there are imbalances and, um, and areas that I need to, I need to strengthen, I need to work on so that I can go and on a weekly basis, I do the same thing. I, I I'm, I'm super creature of habit so I, I run down bright angel trail because i i like it better and it's less steep than south kaiba it gets less rutted out this time of year i run across the river to the um phantom ranch and then i turn around and run back up so the same route and yeah and and because i do it on a weekly basis it it allows me to just to see kind of where i am week to week and um assess kind of how things have changed and um i think if i did it more than that, uh, it would it would make it so I wasn't able to put in hard road or track efforts, and so I would I would trade speed and efficiency for, I guess, strength and durability. And you need both. If you have double of one and zero of the other, then um, if you're trying to run fast on the road, it it doesn't help. So so one would look at that, would look at that and be like, why the hell would you go to the canyon? and climb out at a and your watch is going to read what 15 16 minutes per sure. mile right yeah. and, and the goal is to run a fast the marath road marathon sure. yeah. so i can see people looking at that being like well that has no place in in how you 
would race a, a fast marathon. Um, but I can say I totally get it. Like I, I, I feel that experience. I've been riding um, with these with this group of triathletes, and we do this really hard ride. It has no intention on pacing, but it's you know seven to eight thousand feet of elevation climbing and you do that once a week and you just do it over and over and over and over and over yeah and it's not about going faster or it's just where you are in that moment right does it does it ever get monotonous for you does that ever get monotonous for you or do you always see the bigger picture of like this is part of my stew my success stew right um success stew (laughs) (laughs) Um, because you're always adding ingredients (laughs) right right right. i uh you know honestly i if i'm being completely frank um i i don't go for training i go because i love it down there you know and it really is more a way to um to get my my mind and heart Mm -hmm. right if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and um and so there's never an agenda there other than just to just enjoy it i mean it's it's too i think the the fastest times that have ever been run there have been run by um, people that live in Flagstaff or from Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's some exceptions, but, but for the most part, and it makes sense cause it's close, but, um, th- there are places that are, that are too, um, I guess too special to want to, jeez, I, I can't even, um, yeah, yeah. no, I can't even talk about the place without getting choked up cause it's just, um, it just means a lot to me and so um there are places that are so so sacred that you wouldn't ever want to associate them with that level of discomfort if that makes sense and so so i don't go there to hurt i go there to 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 not hurt yeah (laughs) if that makes sense almost to recharge the mind right to connect more yeah if maybe there's a loose wire or something potentially and that will just show where that wire is that so you can connect it again yeah for me it almost um it's a it's a chance to um it's slow i mean I, it probably was i don't even know how long it took maybe four and a half hours though and and 20 miles 22 miles i don't know how long it is exactly but 22 miles in four and a half hours is is not fast if you're trying to run 26 miles in and half that you know um but but um i I guess the only way i can make sense of it is that it's how i metabolize emotion my own and and i absorb a lot from people and especially if i'm working on them if i have my hands on bodies i i i have a hard time not uh there's a transfer there's definitely a transfer and um if i can't get out and um can't squeeze it out it has to it has to gently work its way out and so marathon training is hard in that sense because it's it's it creates an efficient hard very um fast body but it's not conducive for metabolizing emotion very well it it actually the tendency is to do the opposite it actually will add more stress and more angst and so um road marathoning at a, at a at an elite level and i am barely you know scratching the the tail end of that like that spectrum um but it's cutthroat it's 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 savage it's it's not um it's not the same kind of community as you'd find on the trails or in the ultra running and um and so the the training 
doesn't set you up for a really great <laughs> emotional state, if that makes sense. It, it does the opposite for me, at least. And so, honestly, it's, it's yeah. just It sounds like you found a really important weekly recipe to keep your heart full and and to allow the energy of others to move through you because right. your environment is stronger than your will. So you are, and you're working intimately with people and their bodies and um, in keeping them healthy and in helping them return to that organization of health. And so there there are energies in there that um, you need to allow pass, pass through you. And I love how you said you can't squeeze it. You can't force it. Um, right. I've been... Uh, I coined this phrase about a week ago, like the energy hangover. Right. I woke up and I was like, I have an energy hangover. Yeah. It's not my energy, sure. but I spent six hours in an airport and yeah. I, and I was very aware. I was like, Ooh, there's a lot of energy in here. Right. A lot of, uh, a lot of conflict and, uh, and suffering and, and, you know, and I, and it was fine. I was working, I was working on the podcast. I was doing what I love, but I woke up the next morning and I was like, I have an energy hangover. Right. And the first thing, the way I, I navigated it was, um, not to try and make anything happen, but to go easy, right. do something that I love yeah. and remind myself that that, what I was feeling wasn't me. Right. And just allowing that energy to move and, to, and the Grand Canyon is a very powerful place. Right. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it really—it energetically—it's a very, very powerful place, and so I could imagine that that's a really good place to go and heal your heart. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's just—it's um, the place, and it's the—it's the effort. Honestly, it's—it's—it's—it uh, um, <laughs> it doesn't. It won't flow through me unless I'm going gentle if that makes sense and so yeah. it, it gives me a chance to to go gentle and um because you have to you can't it's too hard to to push it the whole time and so i it, it allows allows me there's a man there's a connection um and being in an environment where you're connected to the natural world and you you realize that it's um part of you and that you're a, a part of it and um that uh somehow when you're moving through it it allows you to 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 fall into this state of <laughs> i guess not fall more, more like rise because it does feel transcendental it feels as though you've you've entered a new um different realm you're still you're still here, but but everything is f is flowing at a different level, and and mm -hmm. and when you can connect to that, it allows you to see things from a different perspective. You know, you can spin the whole thing around and see it from from different perspectives, and that that allows it allows whatever challenges you're facing to to be viewed from a different perspective. But it also it's almost as though it en emboldens you in in a sense because you're able to see with with new eyes different eyes and um and and at the same time um boy i didn't mean to get all metaphysical are you here but i love what <laughs> are you do you know what podcast you're on right yeah go but but it it is a it is a um uh, people call it a runner's high and i don't 
obviously that's less fleet that's 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 more fleeting and less often than you'd like to think and, it, and it's not predictable it's not something that you it's not something that I would experience if I was doing um, like a really hard intense workout it's more something that I have to be going gentle enough for a long enough period of time to where honestly it's as though I have burned through all the noise that comes from being caffeinated and having too much food in my body honestly mm -hmm. and it it burns it, after a few hours I've burnt through the noise of all of that food and all that caffeine and I and instincts come back and can smell things and hear things and sense things that you that humans have the ability to sense but that we are so numb from just the noise of everything that we we forget that it exists and so um uh, honestly i i came around a corner today and this this i don't mean this metaphorically i literally saw the way the light was hitting um, a cottonwood tree that was starting to change and everything else was shadow except for the light hitting that cottonwood tree and it looked like a burning bush you know and i i thought about that <laughs> that that story that bible story of um moses finding the burning bush and and it, and it and the thought that i had when i saw it was that uh, i found um god down there but it wasn't that god was in the bush it was that god was in me and i had to i had to burn through the noise through that effort of metaphorically climbing Sinai to where I could finally see and feel and hear and um, and I don't mean that from a you know a specifically Judeo-Christian perspective I mean that specifically from God the gods you know whatever is divine whatever you know whatever um, you want to call that um, I found it you know and it was it wasn't in in that space it was in me but i had to burn through enough of the noise to feel it and see it and hear yeah, it you know 100 percent. and yeah. in that story when moses sees the bush doesn't he hear like i am right yeah i am and so oh beautiful full circle back right. to the labels right i i am tommy i am jess i am you know you <clears throat> this world needs me and bj to be the interviewers so you can be the guest like right. we need these roles but i think it's really important and i do believe we're all on this path to our own pace and degree that at some point and i'll say it in this life or another that we will realize that we just are right and everything else helps us understand how to function in this world right and what you felt today um is always there right there's just yeah. layers of noise right. that make us feel that we are disconnected right yeah and and honestly over and the overwhelming um feeling that i experience and i guess because it's obviously it's not the first time I've experienced it, but it um, it comes sometimes when when I can run long enough and gentle enough, and, and ultra running is a lot more conducive to go there um, <laughs> because a you're burning through <laughs> the noise of the caffeinated, over um, nourished world <laughs> that we're typically <laughs> in, and and I you know I hope that's not taken out of context because I obviously food is important, but but um, 
but there's the ability to physiological physiologically literally fall into the exact same state over a couple of hours of of gentle effort um as you would be if you'd been fasting for a week or more you know and and so there's something there and and it's it's letting that becoming so profoundly depleted that you're no longer um only preoccupied with that and then all of a sudden all of your other senses um kick back on you know and yeah yeah and it sounds like you were very you were very clear so this is this is great because i love uh, you know um i love this message that we're talking about here which is that as an athlete as a runner as a runner who is aspiring to be in atlanta in february that you go gentle Oh yeah. That to. you don't go yeah. that you don't go hard all the time. And no. I think I'm gonna pass the mic over to BJ so you guys can dive into this <laughs> a little bit. You touched upon it in the podcast. Um you talked about Matt Fitzgerald's The Eighty Twenty. Right. And um, great book, by the way. I haven't read it, but yeah. um I'm going to because it seems long to the same philosophy that um that my coach used to used to believe in and it really was taking things down, way down. Yeah. So that you can stress your body, way stress your body in right. short increments to in order to to reach those new levels where the body's like, okay, this is what we're meant to do. Now let me step back, let this soak in, let me just feel this, let me let me um, adapt to that stress, and then I'll hit it again. Right. But what happens is we get the high of the the workout, or we get the fear that we're not running the paces and efforts that are going to be required on race day. And so we freak right. out. Right. And we do this crash course training. Um, and it goes as deep as one of our athletes' daughter, Helen, she's six years old, was telling her mom that she wants to be on the treadmill for an hour for the Thanksgiving turkey trot, and she needs to go hard. Right. And her mom was like, can you please send a video to our daughter and tell her she doesn't need to go hard all the time. Right. It's everywhere. It's it's like an epidemic. It's it's pretty intense. Have how, what's your relationship with that, and how did you come to that? How did you come to that realization? Did you ever have that the moments of it has to be intense all the time? Oh yeah, for three decades. I mean, really? really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, really. I we uh, we went hard every day, every day, and we got fast, and and we we were tough, and um, and when you're blue collar kid growing up in Oregon, th there's, there's a validation that comes from that hard work because mm -hmm. it, it seems to go in line with the currency of that society. You know, you're, you're valued based off of your, your ability to show up and work hard every day and not complain. And so you feel as though you're, um, you know, you're putting in the effort and it's an honest effort and, and uh, you're, you're putting in the time, if that makes sense. Uh, so much about a society like that, a community like that is, um, is being grateful for the work that you have. And so you, you work really hard and, and it's, it's not, it's not just the, the farmers and the cowboys, it's the, the migrant workers. And, um, you know, 60% of my town was, uh, was Mexican and, 
I mean, a lot of them didn't even speak English. You know, you could go to supermarkets and and the announcements on the intercom were in Spanish. You know, and and there's a there's a Virgin Mary that greets you as you walk in. You know, a mural and stuff like that. I mean, it was very. Um, there are parts of Mexico that feel less like Mexico than the town I grew up in. You know, and um, and there is an incredible work ethic among um, that community within within the the town that I grew up in and and uh and I became a I, I tried to um become as much a part of that as I could and I I so I learned a lot of, you know a lot a lot about hard work and the value of work and things like that but then you get to a scenario like endurance athletics and longevity and trying to improve and maximize your potential and and sometimes you you realize that um if the reason you're doing it is for the work, like the work in and of itself, it's like, by all means, like rage, go hard all day, you know? But if you actually want to become the fastest, fittest version of yourself, then there is a different approach. And, and it's actually easier and more effective. And so it took, it took lots of overuse injuries. It took lots of being, you know, frustrated, lots of, un, well, non-productive pain, non-productive work, and uh, a couple of college degrees to realize, oh, this is, this is how this works. And, uh, and so since I've, since I've learned that, um, both, you know, practically, but then also through the, the books that I found that do a really great job of, of putting it together, this idea of 80, 20, this, this, it's not, Matt's idea. It's it's that Matt did a great job of um, combining the research that's been available and the experiences that have been available from lots of different great minds and lots of experience. And um, yeah, that book eighty twenty. I mean, it's so fundamental that I I when I do coach people, I don't coach them until they've read it. You know, and and if they find that they think that Matt would be a better coach, I full on agree and just tell him to reach out to Matt, you know, because I mean, it's, it's brilliant, you know, and the way that he put it together is, is brilliant, but, but it's so, it's so necessary in terms of understanding just the fundamentals that, that I don't, well, not that I couldn't, but I wouldn't coach somebody that hadn't read it because it just, will just be butting heads the entire time. It's like, we got to get on the same page and we need to learn the alphabet before we learn to read, you know, and and it's just brilliant. It's a brilliant book. And so, and then I've just realized that it, it works, you know, and having trust, right? Having exactly. Trust. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole basis of all of it is that you have to, you have to have the confidence to go easy eight out of 10 miles. And, and that doesn't take, it doesn't take balls to go hard all day. It takes, it takes, you know, or, or to, you know, to, um, to do it right. And to, to be your very best, it takes confidence it takes trusting a process and just really you know committing to that and and that's something that took a long time and honestly now my only goal obviously it'd be fun to go to go to Atlanta and race it's like a party honestly though and all my friends are gonna be there so be like sweet can I get a ticket you know but like but honestly like if I don't it doesn't matter it it's not gonna change my life one way or another you know positively or negatively but um my only goal really is to never have another overuse injury for the rest of my life because they're stupid injuries. They really are. Your body is like communicating to you, like whispering and whispering and whispering, like 
something's not right, something's not right, and you just ignore it and ignore it and ignore it until it's screaming, like a little child, like like my little three-year-old, like, you need to get your shoes on, you know, get your shoes, you know, and this is the 12th time I've told you, you know, and it's like, daddy, don't, don't raise your voice. It's like, I didn't want to raise my voice. I just don't know how to get you to understand. I've asked you 10 times to get your shoes. And it's like that. It's like, read the book about 80, 20 in the shoes. Right. It's (laughs) like, my knee hurts, my knee hurts, my knee hurts. It's like, well, well then, you know, listen to it and do something before, like, if you listen when it's whispering, rather than waiting until it's screaming, like you can actually avoid having to dramatically detour and you can continue. And well, I think that's the approach you're talking about when you go to the Grand Canyon, you're strengthening that, that bond with you, sure. right? Reducing that noise. Right. I, what I've experienced with people is they can't even self-regulate. They can't get to that point where I feel a sensation in my knee. Sure. Maybe I should step. No, it's just, this is part of what I do. And sometimes they don't even feel it. Sure. Sure. Until it's like right up upon them. Right. And then it's like two weeks till race day. Right. Right. And taking any time off, that fear element comes in. The sure. unworthiness comes in. They're like, I put all this in and the why me. Right. So it's really that 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 strengthening that connection. And I think spending a lot of time going slow gives you a lot of time right. with yourself. Like right. longer time. Right. Yeah. What would be really helpful is can you explain because I I loved your, and and I don't want you to feel like you have to remember what you said, but can you explain the stress, rest, adapt process? What is happening in the body? Because this is something that we talk about, but perhaps if they hear it from you, maybe (laughs) six-year-old Helen, Helen, this is for you, my friend. Um, I think you can give us, uh, you can give the audience insight into what's actually going on in the body that can help them maybe understand it and embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not my concept. This is a, this is just a general concept for, um, injury prevention and rehabilitation, just biomedical science. And, um, and endurance athletics happens to be just a really good, um, case study to explore kind of how that happens. And so, um, any, any system that we have, and and when I say system in terms of endurance athletics, you're talking mostly heart and lungs and blood and then hormones, and um, and then differentiate systems from structures. And structures typically are connective tissues, which are bones and tendons and ligament and fascia and blood. Um, so bones form. Uh, essentially the framework for our bodies um ligaments connect bones to bones uh think of them like um like a really tight wrap that that just stabilizes um tendons connect muscles to bones and they work like pulleys um and then fascia wraps around our muscles and um and then muscles obviously are what um, powers those pulleys. And so all of, um, all of the cells in our, in our muscles require oxygen, water, and sugar to be able to produce energy. And that's transferred through our veins and our arteries via our blood. And so, um, basically becoming a more efficient, a fitter, a faster endurance athlete has to do with having 
a framework which is composed of those structural tissues um, or connective tissues and then having a vascular system which is the system that carries the blood and having all of those be durable enough to withstand the training and then be efficient enough to carry essentially carry oxygen to your muscles so that you can get the job done and so anytime we do any type of physical activity we're putting stress on both those systems and those structures and um, the way it looks when we're putting stress on our systems for example is that uh, we start to we start to run and if we're running easy immediately what happens is our heart rate increases, um, our heart rate pumps more blood, um, our, respir- our respiratory rate increases. Our respiratory rate is, you know, the amount of times we breathe per minute. That ushers in oxygen so that it can be carried to our cells and our muscles, and then it, it carries away um, carbon dioxide, which is the waste product that, that takes place. And so anytime we do that, what happens at a cellular level is that those tissues... Um, whether it's a part of a system or a structure, they're stressed. And so they undergo damage. Um, In our bones, a really easy way to look at it is that our bones undergo uh, microfractures. So um, that's the stress. That's the stress component. So what we might call a workout, um, the way that our body interprets it, is there has been stress which which has been absorbed through our bones, for example, and there are microfractures that take place in uh, the cells that make up our bones. And so when that happens, our body senses that there's been damage that's taken place, and uh, it communicates via hormones that um, essentially a demolition team needs to go in and remove those damaged cells. And um, the demolition team are... Uh, are actually called osteoclasts, which means bone breakers. So they go in, they, they use enzymes, they dissolve those fractured, um, they're called osteocytes, so they're the, the cells uh, that our bones are made out of. They absorb that, um, the minerals go back into our blood, we reuse them, and then, and then what happens is that after that demolition process has taken place, um, something called osteoblasts, which are bone builders, they come in and they rebuild the bone. And so this is a process that takes multiple days. So it's not, um, it's not something that you do in just a couple of hours. And so if you go in, um, if you were imagine, if you were to imagine, um, you're trying to build, uh, a structure, you're trying to build a brick wall and, um, you're in an area where there's seismic activity every day. You know, you do a lot of work, but then every day things shake and, and certain bricks are damaged. So you've got to go in, you've got to remove the damaged bricks, you've got to repair um, with, uh, with uh, new bricks. And, and as you do that, that wall actually gets thicker and thicker and thicker and denser and denser and denser, and it becomes um, more able to withstand that seismic activity on a daily basis so that you get to a point where there's less and less damage taking place uh, for, um, you know, say initially a 3.0 earthquake nearly knocked the wall down. Uh, A couple of months later, it can be a 6.0 and it barely does anything to the wall just because you've built that over and over and over, layer upon layer. And um, the tricky thing is that if you go in and if you haven't given 
your bones the chance to go through that entire process of the osteoclast coming in and removing the damaged bone and then the osteoblast coming in and repairing that damaged bone. What you do is you just continue to send osteoclasts because you continue to damage and you don't allow it to repair. And so the osteoclasts keep coming and removing more and more and more of those osteocytes, the bone cells, or, you know, the, the wall analogy, removing more and more bricks. And eventually there will be uh, a rumble. There will be seismic activity or there will be a single step where that whole thing will just break. And, and that's what a stress fracture looks like. And that's what, um, you know, that's what a wall that fell down because of an earthquake looks like. It, it wouldn't happen all at once. It would happen over and over and over. And so the same thing that's happening to those bones is also happening to all of our different connective tissues in, 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 in very similar, but you know, obviously unique ways. And so when we train, we go in, we put stress on those tissues, um, or those systems, and then we need to allow our body an interval of rest. And that interval of rest is not necessarily the same um, amount of time. So we can't go hard one day and then rest one day and think that we've, we've fixed it. Um, a lot of times it takes, it takes days if you've run a really hard road marathon, for example, or, or an ultra marathon, or if you've competed in an Ironman, it might take, it might actually take weeks or even months to fully recover and fully repair. And, um, and so you go back and forth and back and forth. You stress and then you rest and you stress and you rest and you do that over and over and over. And if you do it right, you're building an additional layer each time. You're building an additional, an additional level of strength and an additional level of durability. And, and um, the way that I, I think I described it when I was talking to Jake and Malk is, is imagining it like, like rings on a tree. And it, it's a process that takes time. You're building, you're growing a redwood, you know, and, and you want a redwood, not a poplar. You know, you, you, want, you want a tree that is magnificent and strong and, and mighty, not something that just, you know, will grow up really quick, but then, you know, fall apart. And so, um, and the way that you do that is just, just slowly, consistently, day after day, week after week. And um, what I tell, I guess, the athletes that I work with is that if you're new to endurance athletics, the very first thing that you have to change is, is your concept of time in terms of how it relates to success. And so you can't think in terms of minutes and hours. You have to think in terms of days and weeks and months and years even. And it's just that same process over and over and over of just stress and rest rinse, repeat. And when you say rest, you're not talking about laying on the couch. Right, exactly. You're yeah. talking about some active recovery. Right, exactly. Yeah. So so not putting as much uh, stress as you as you put, but obviously you're you're still going to get out and move. So um, when I say stress and rest, the stress might look like a oh, I don't uh, it's it's different for everybody, but say an hour long tempo run. That's that's done very very hard. And the rest might look like you know, an hour and a half easy run the next day. And, and, and you're still resting, even though you're, um, you're still moving, you're resting those structures and you're resting those systems because you're not putting them through the same amount of, um, of work as you put them through the day before. And so you allow, you but allow even that, that like that hour hard tempo to an hour and a half, like that could be years to build. Like you gotta, Absolutely. Yep. you gotta, yep. I, and, and to quote you, you said something like you gotta, um, you gotta earn the right. right. And exactly. we've heard that from yep. another amazing coach, Jerry Rodriguez. Like 
you got to earn the right. Right. You got to put in the time. Like everybody wants to rock and roll real quick, but right. you got to put in the time. He was talking about Michael Phelps because Jerry Rodriguez uh, runs a swim program, triathlon swim program. And he okay. was talking about Michael Phelps. Sure. Earning the right. Right. To do flip turns and swim like set, swim two times a day, eat all that food. Like he right. earned the right to do that. Right. Exactly. And what we see is we see Michael Phelps eating all this stuff and swimming really fast so that we must do that sure. we've got to do that we, sure i gotta clear my schedule i've got to find a pool i've got to swim twice a week right yeah isn't exactly. that that's how right. that yeah the mind ravels well and that's the tricky thing is that is that we as endurance athletes motivation is typically not what we're lacking you know motivation is is there in abundance and and it's not about lack of motivation it's um like there are very few people that will quit training due to lack of motivation it's that they it's that you need to take that motivation and spread it out over a very long period of time and so you know i talk to people and they're like i want to run i want to run a marathon and it's like all right well that'll take a year you know at least and but it's like no no no. i want to do you know i want to do like a couch to marathon six week like i you know i saw this i saw this article like you can do it and it's like no i mean yeah you can but like all you're really going to get is a stress fracture. You're going to have a couch to stress fracture, not a couch to marathon, you know? Like, there's no such thing as a couch to any distance in, in four weeks or six weeks. There's not. There's a couch to stress fracture for any distance, but, like, there's no <laughs> such thing as, you know? And so it takes time, and, and people want things, you know, immediately. And, I mean, if you started today and you ran a minute, and if every week you added another minute, Every week, you added another minute, a minute each day. In a year, you'd be running 52 minutes a day, which is a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. But people don't want to do it over a year. They want it immediately. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, start right now. And this week, run a minute a day. And next week, run two minutes a day. And the next week, run three minutes a day. Guarantee you're not going to get a stress fracture if you do it like that, you know? And you're running every day. Now you get a run streak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can brag about that. You know what I mean, though? Is that yeah. people don't want that, though. They well, don't want to put it Well, it's self-regulation. Yeah. It's self-regulation, and it's also we're up against the society where you can – there's hundreds, of maybe thousands of articles about couch to whatever. Sure. Like, this is probably the first time anybody's hearing couch to stress <laughs> fracture. But I love those. Those are widely it's available thing, plans as well. <laughs> Um, but it is, it's that self-regulation. And I think to really be a successful endurance athlete with longevity, like longevity where you're feeling good and you're loving what you do, we must really be on this path to master regulation of self. Right. And, you know, you know how it is, like we all know how it is that week of a race, you know, I just, I feel the energy I feel it building and I want to I I want to go express it. I want to either in a conversation or go out for a run or do something and I I just I just imagine it building and yeah. I imagine it building yeah. and I imagine it building and I right. and I just I walk around like oh my god can anybody see this power? It's like so big. So you kind of feel like this caged lion a little bit. Right. But are you hanging on to the bars and like, get me out of here? Or are you just kind of yeah. in there, just waiting? Yeah, I think the same thing. I, I think of it in terms of um, being a farmer and there's an optimal time to harvest your crops. And and that harvest is, if you're really in tune with your crops, it's it's a specific day, you know? It's like, today's not ready. 
tomorrow's not ready. You know, four days from now, it, it'll be ready. And, and, and that day is that, is that race experience. And, um, you know, when I, when I get close to the race, I want to prove to myself that I'm, that I'm fit. I want to see it. I want to see that that fitness is there. And it's like, it's like pulling up a carrot to see if it's growing, you know, and then you can't plant it again, you know, once mm-hmm. you pulled it out. And so I, I feel the same way with this couple of weeks before a big race. It's like, just trust it, just rest, you know, yeah, just, just, relax. just trust. And you, you know, it's there. You put the work in that thing's been growing, you know, this entire time, like don't yank it out just to see if it's still growing. You know? Right. And, right. And you're not ready to run the race on Monday when the race right. is Sunday. You're yeah, ready exactly. to run the race on Sunday. Right. That's your harvest day. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. And it's, it's like, sh- um, you you get to allow the body to sh- to showcase its its fitness, but it's a tricky recipe, and sometimes we don't time it right, or you right. know sometimes we we're always changing. Sometimes the body will catch something. Maybe we have an energy hangover, right. um, but you know we get we get back up and and we do it again. And there's another thing that you talk a lot about, which we d- definitely believe in, is consistency. Right. Yeah. You know, don't don't do your race and then drop everything and you know because your your fitness is still coming in if you keep right. that body moving right absolutely yeah that that's that's been um consistency honestly is is everything it's absolutely everything it it really yeah and i i i experienced that in a weird in a weird way i mean i knew that in theory but i'd never actually seen it in practice i'd never I'd never gone gentle for long enough to actually see what I could accomplish if I, if I could stay consistent without an injury. So I would go through these, you know, these intervals of, you know, training really, really hard and trying to play catch up and then I'd injure myself and then, you know, trying to do it again. And it would just go in these cycles. And, um, it honestly, the the first time I really saw it was, um, I was caged in a way where I couldn't, I had to stay healthy. I, I was in, um, I didn't have any intention of going to uh, physical therapy school to be a doctor of physical therapy. I, I um, originally, when I was in my undergrad, I, I wanted to do a double doctorate program that was an MD and a, um, a PhD in anthropology. It was a medical anthropology program, and I, I thought I was going to do that. And so I, I did all the prereqs for that, and then um, Steph and I met and got married, and we started having kids, and it was like. I don't want to go to med school and I sure as hell don't want to double this with a PhD program at the same time. And so, um, I'd done all the prep, but then I was like, no, I think I'm done with school. I'm in like, like, like 23rd grade at the time, you know, and it's just like, I'm, I'm ready to be <laughs> done with this. And, and so we moved to Flagstaff and my goal was to, um, be a professional triathlete actually. And so we moved oh. here. Yeah. And so I started to train specifically for that. And, um, things went pretty well and, um, I, I felt like I was on a good trajectory and I, um, I did a half Ironman and, um, and then I, I qualified for Kona on an accident and it was just kind of like, um, not, not what I had planned in terms of timing, but it was like, oh, this is a, this will be fun, you know? And so I, I, I was reluctant. I didn't want to go do it. But but somebody talked me into it and they said, you know, you really need to take this opportunity because you never know. And and so I was like, okay, sure. So I, you know, trained and then went and did that. And and 
and I thought in my mind, it was like, well, I'll be there every year for the rest of my career, you know, like, why do I need to rush it? And, um, and, uh, about, so it was about eight weeks later, I, I broke my leg. I, I had a, um, it was one of those things where it was a, it was, it whispered and whispered and whispered, and then it started to scream and it screamed and it screamed. And I just didn't listen and kept going. And it, it went from a stress reaction to a stress fracture to a full spiral fracture. And, nice um, work. yeah, it was, it was really stupid. I mean, it really was just like, everything was telling me like, you're hurt. And it's just like, Oh, it'll go away if I don't look at it, you know? And, uh, um, and it didn't. And, and so all of a sudden I, I had a goal of making a living as an athlete, but then all of a sudden I had a broken leg and two kids and, and no plan B. And, uh, so in an act of desperation, I applied for the PT program at NAU and, and I hoped they would say no. And they said yes. And it was one of these like, <laughs> oh, damn it. And so I had to go to school because it, when you're in school, you can just like, really just like your life is in limbo. Like you can like, like university really is like never, never land. Like you really can be a lost boy or girl for the rest of your life, you know, because it's like, you can say, well, I'm in school, you know, when in reality, you're just procrastinating like the rest of your life, you know, and, um, that's my own experience anyway. But I got there and, um, I soon realized that I couldn't handle the all day, all days of, you know, all day long of lecture, you know, five days a week. And then, um, and so as my legs started to heal, um, I started to walk back and forth to school and, uh, I live right where I live now. And so, um, it was about 12 miles one way and I would walk. And as I would walk, I, I would tear pages out of my textbooks and study the pages as I, as I walked. And it allowed me a chance to reconnect with the natural world, albeit at a much slower pace, but I found that it still provided the same calm and it, and it allowed me to metabolize the emotion of school and everything. And, and then by the time I got home, I'd walked for six hours and studied for six hours and, you know, covered 24 miles on foot. And, um, I could be a dad and I could be a husband and I could be done with studying. And then I'd also gotten this, you know, this release where I, um, had gotten that urge to be in the natural world out. And so I did that and slowly, um, and slowly winter came on. And so I needed to run more rather than just walk because it was too cold to just walk. And so I slowly started to run more and more, um, just when I get cold. And then eventually, you know, several months later, I was running all the way there and running all the way back. And I, I would start to sense, oh, you know, my, my knee's starting to hurt or like my hip is starting to hurt. And on those days I would, I would really baby it. I would slow down because I was like, I can't afford to hurt myself because this is my only mode of transportation. And this is my only way to keep my sanity when I'm at school. So literally my life depends on not getting injured here. You know, it's what it felt like to me anyway. And so I, I just would slow things down and sometimes I would just walk the entire time. And, um, and I jumped into a couple of marathons and, and ran way faster than I'd ever. I mean, like, I think like 15 minutes faster than I'd ever run. And, and it wasn't by doing any specific marathon training. It was just, it was just that I had spent 
two years, literally two years. It took two years of walking or running that distance every day. And, and, um, and oddly it was at the same time, coincidentally, I guess that, that things were starting to make sense in terms of understanding how the body works from, from all of the studies in that, in that doctorate program. But, um, it came together in this like just really mighty epiphany. It's like, Oh, this is how this works. And it took a broken leg and it took, you know, having to walk and back, walk back and forth from school for, <laughs> it sounds like a story that your parents tell, but like in the snow uphill both ways, but it, <laughs> but it really, it really was. So part of it was also downhill both ways, but like, yeah. And, um, and that taught me consistency. I mean, that taught me like, if you can go two years without an injury, like this is what you can do. And it felt easy to run a 220, a 218. I mean, it really, I mean, obviously the last few miles were, were really hard, but but compared to the efforts that I'd put in before when I was on this cycle of like train really hard for two months, get injured, take two months off, train really hard for two months, get it, you know, th this, just this reoccurring just cycle that I'd been on for two decades really. And it's like, wow. And so now that's why I say that my only goal is really to never have another overuse injury. I mean, if you break your ankle or whatever, like that's fine, that, that happens. Like that's, that, that's not a stupid injury as long as you're not doing something stupid to cause it. But like, but an overuse injury really is a stupid injury because everything is telling you like something is wrong and you're just ignoring it. And, and man, it just, oddly, it took two years of just walking to school back and forth to realize that that's what, that's what it did, you know? And, and oddly, I was in better shape than I'd ever been for anything. And the only difference was that I went gentle and didn't get hurt. And I love that. And people, you guys, it doesn't have to take breaking your leg and, right. you know, not having a plan B and and all of that. Like you can just start being consistent and you can yeah. um, coach with, you know, amazing people like Tommy or BJ who believe in this stuff. So my God, consistency, stress, rest, adapt, going gentle, making sure your heart is full. I think we covered some amazing topics. California International Marathon for you. Yeah. That's coming up a couple weeks. Oh, geez, I think we're next, we're less than that. Yeah, I think next weekend. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's coming up quick. All right, maybe cool. ten days. Awesome. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be with you um, in spirit for that one and. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fine. I mean, honestly, if... Um, is that kind of the last... Is that the last before the window closes for... No, the, the very last one is Houston, actually. And that's in January. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to do that one as well. But what I would love to have happen is um, if I could get the trials qualifier at, at CIM, um, then I could put that to bed and then I could I could try to race Houston and see... Houston's fast and I, and I should be fit by then. And so it, it really would be, I feel like I could run the fastest I've ever run at, at Houston. I'd really like to, I'd like to really swing big, you know, that kind of thing motivates me. And so I'd love to get this thing put to bed at CIM. If it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Honestly, I don't, I, I mean, I hate to say I don't care. I'm not, you know, I, I train too hard to not care, but I really don't care. I mean, it, it's like, if I, if I, if I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Like the effort is going to be there. Um, I'm going to full on send it and, you know, give it everything I have. But, um, but that part is, is not the, that's not the variable. It, it really is just if, if my body's had a chance to, 
prepare for it and and if not you just just put it back in and bake it a little longer you know and yeah and then um, do it in Houston and then yeah, go, to the, exactly. go to the party yeah. and with all your friends yeah, in February. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, because honestly, there's not going to be anybody here that entire two-week period. So it's like, we might as well go to Houston because it's just going to be a ghost town here, you know? So <laughs> all great. of Flagstaff will relocate to Atlanta for February of 2020. So That's if you're awesome. looking for a place to rent a house, come to Flagstaff in um, February 2020 and there's lots of options. <laughs> So how can people uh, follow you? Where are you most active online? Oh, geez. Um, probably on, yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, but, man, I, I'm not really that douchey in real life. I, I really am not. Um, <laughs> I'm really not. Man, I wouldn't follow me. I wouldn't, you know? <laughs> I, no, I mean, Why? really, though. No, it's just such a, it's such a weird world, you know? I, um you got some good stuff up there. I don't know. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. But anyway. I'm going to um, keep following you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so I have an Instagram account and it's um, uh, at Tommy underscore ribs, R-I-V-S, like ribs, but with a V. Um, my middle name is Rivers. And so that's where that comes from. So um, anyway, yeah, if you want, that's we'll, that's fine. We'll but. put links of all that stuff, and we'll put a link to that podcast with Jake and Malk. Oh, right. Because I, re I recommend people listen to that. There's some really good childhood oh. stories there. Your mom is a um, a wizard of oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, she's awesome. of uh, assisting children in getting their energy. <laughs> Uh, channeled yeah. out in ways that are not projected at her. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a great story no, in there. She's, she's awesome. And uh, check out that YouTube, um, the Brothers. Oh um, right, YouTube, yeah. which I, which is a really good good um, insight into the trans um, trans Rocky. Trans Rockies, yeah. yeah. That was when was that? Two thousand. It, it was a few years. Two thousand fifteen. Was it? I okay. want to say. Yeah. yeah. A few years back, I, it's a stage race in in Colorado. It's a. That was the year you flew out to uh, help. Right, exactly. Uh, James. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. Showed up there, and I was, I was worn out. Yeah. I was. It was. You tiring. were beat. Yeah, I was beat. You up. didn't yeah. show it. <laughs> no, you were riding pretty I was, strong I was and pretty, pretty contained. Beat up, but, <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah. So that's a. It shows that, and the coolest part about that is that my my little brothers did all the music for it, and and it's rad. I have two younger brothers, and they're both musicians, and they're man, they're super, super talented, and and so that's. Um, Anyway, it's basically just a music video with some runners in it. And well, the <laughs> unabridged one is pretty cool too because right. you guys talk a little yeah. bit more in that one. But yeah, yeah. We'll you put know. links to both those. Anyway, yeah. All right, awesome, Tommy. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys. This is this a long is time great. coming. The first time we met was um, when James Lawrence was doing uh, his fifty 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 in Rhode Island, and uh, it's just really cool to get to know you a little bit more and be here in your hometown. And um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Oh no, thank you guys. I'm glad you guys can make it. It's uh, these are nice woods, aren't they? You know? Yeah, this I mean, is beautiful. We're literally like like a couple of hundred meters from my house, you know, out in the sticks. It's nice. It's really great. This is why I live out here is because the same experience that you had in the airport, you know, where there's a lot of people and a yeah. lot of emotion and you don't know who it's coming from, but right. you absorb it. That's that's literally why I live in the forest. Oh, uh, it's beautiful here. And I'm going to put every single item of clothing that I brought on. And I'm going to go for a run tomorrow. <laughs> I'm really excited. Oh, man. Awesome. Thank you, guys.